This message is from Icon, from Community, Icon Church. Community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta. Located in Metro Atlanta. Atlanta. defined by grace, grace, grace community, community, and renewal. renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org. At iconcommunitychurch.org. Or follow us on Facebook. Instagram. A Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Waiting is challenging. Whether you are overcome with excitement or anxiousness, waiting is really hard. It can sometimes be a place of angst for us, even if it's we're just waiting in a long line and it's not moving, or if it's the approaching end of a joyful time, or we're waiting for test results that could be life-altering. But waiting can also be a space of anticipation whether it's as simple as opening your Christmas presents or seeing people you love after a long absence or just feeling the satisfaction of you doing a wait well. Waiting is a very complex space for us as human beings. Studies show that waiting feels longer for people when they are experiencing anxiety, when they are going through it alone, or when they are feeling physically uncomfortable. And waiting for an uncertain outcome tends to feel much longer for people than it is when they are waiting for something that is a sure thing. So of course, for many of us, knowing all of this, this has been an especially challenging year of waiting. We've been waiting anxiously, we've been waiting in discomfort, we've been feeling more isolated in it, and we have been waiting for unknown outcomes. And while we can't always anticipate the nature of what waiting is going to be, and this year has thrown us many surprises, We as God's people should not be shocked when the rhythms of our lives ebb and flow with different periods of waiting. Because for us who belong to God, it serves us well to be a people that are not just patient or who can endure, but a people who are able to occupy the waiting by living faithfully and fruitfully with our God in this space. And that's possible because God's people have always been a people of waiting. And Advent is this perfect time for us to re-examine what our waiting is, what it means, what it's for, and what our God offers to us within it. Advent is this culmination of a long period of waiting for God's people. And it sets the tone for how we now continue to wait as a people. God's people had waited for 400 years in silence, in the midst of very tough circumstances, with crying out and appealing to God for rescue. They've been waiting in the uncertainty of not knowing how long it would be. And then when the waiting is answered, when he arrives, he ends up being largely missed because God doesn't work in a way that is expected. Yet it is exactly what was needed. The birth of our Savior 2,000 years ago came after long periods of waiting, unexpectedly, but completely what was needed. And at that point, part of the waiting of God's people is done. But then after Jesus walks on the earth, he offers himself up, he steps out of that grave, he then ascends. And Jesus didn't ascend because he's all done. He ascends because what he accomplished 
secured his ability to ascend and his position of authority over the heavens and the earth. And his ascension is the end of one period of waiting and the beginning of another. One phase in God's redemptive plan was completed at that point and another phase began. And that is the phase that we are in right now until it is time for the next one. And his next advent, his next arrival here will be the marker for when that begins. So like those before the arrival of the Messiah 2000 years ago, we join with them in being a people that are waiting for God's physical arrival in this space. We wait for the second advent as they were waiting for the first. And this waiting that God has us in is never a holding pattern. God hasn't pushed pause. This isn't a neutral zone. Where God has us waiting is where we are occupying our lives. It's where we are called to be a people that are faithful and righteous to our God. So what is our posture supposed to be in this timing that we are in, in this waiting period that we are currently in? Well, Jesus tends to be really helpful for us here. He gives so many stories and words to help us to know how we wait well. And today we're going to focus on one story in particular in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. So Jesus in this portion of scripture has been emphasizing the need to be ready and prepared for his arrival, for his second advent. And this story that he offers to us is this wonderful image of how our posture in life should be as we wait for him. So please join with me as we read Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them. But the wise ones took oil in their flasks with their lamps. When the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout. Here's the groom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, No, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. When they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. He replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore be alert, because you don't know either the day or the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to our God. So when Jesus starts this story with, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like, he's talking about now, he's talking about here, he's talking about us. And Jesus is illustrating as we approach the second advent, what is it looking like for those who are being faithful and vigilant in their attitude and in their posture of this waiting period? 
And Jesus compares this to 10 virgins. These are bridesmaids, young women. And some are prepared for this and some not so much. So for context, there is this custom that when a couple married, uh, afterwards they, you know, they're not going to Cancun for a week. Instead, they stay home and they party for an entire week. And basically they bring all of their people in and this is this t- their, their way of celebrating after a marriage. So the attendance of the bride, these young women, these bridesmaids, their duty was to go out at night and to be ready for the appearance of the groom where they would then bring the bride to his house and to this week-long celebration. So they go out to wait with their lamps. They're waiting in the evening. And so these lamps are this torch concept with this vessel at the top. So it's usually this short wooden stem that's held with some type of dish at the top. And there's this cloth, usually a twisted flax that's dipped in oil. And that's what keeps it lit. So they need the oil to keep the light going in order to sustain them through the waiting and for the task at hand. Five of them, Jesus says, are wise about this five of them are foolish. Not all are prepared. Not all have considered the full scope of what their waiting will require and encompass. So the wise bring a supply of oil into their waiting so that their light is able to sustain through it all. They have thought ahead about the whole scope of what this means, and they've armed themselves with what is enough to help them endure, enough to help them be prepared for the fullness of the task. However, the foolish do not bring a supply. They don't consider the fullness of what their waiting will require of them. They don't think ahead to the other side of the waiting and what they need. So really the foolish have a limited vision about their waiting where the wise have pulled back. They have a greater vision of what this waiting period is about, what it is for. It really is a gift and a strength of ours that God helps us know key parts of his plan so that we can pull back and see the fullness of where we are in this. This greater vision of the waiting serves the wise well as the groom ends up being delayed as often happens when it comes to waiting, stretches longer and longer. Everyone is tired, they get drowsy, and finally they can't keep their eyes open anymore. And they fall asleep until they're jolted awake with this news, your waiting is done. The groom's here, it's time to go party. This period of waiting does not end when it was supposed to. It doesn't end when it should have. He's there in the middle of the night, It's the wrong time. He's not supposed to come then. The waiting ends when they are least expecting it. So with the call that he's here, they jolt awake. There's a scrambling around and a trimming of lamps. But as the lamps of the wise light up, the lamps of the foolish are going out. They only had enough oil with them, enough fuel with them, in order to make it up to this point. They did not come into their waiting actively prepared with enough to sustain them. Their resources have exhausted themselves in their waiting because they weren't thinking rightly about the timing and all they were meant to do. Verse 8 says, 
The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, no, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. So before we're like, what's the deal with how selfish they are? And if this is Jesus's story, shouldn't this be the spot where he says they shared all their things and now go and do likewise? This is not about that. This is proving a point about something else. The phrasing of this in the Greek is not this posture of them saying, no, this is ours. Rather, it's more like, but if we share with you, we will all then be undone. So this isn't about sharing resources or being selfish. This is about not giving up what is meant to sustain you and help you endure and persevere in the faith and in the period of waiting. You don't give your fuel up. If there's something you don't sacrifice for others, it is your fuel that is our God that sustains you for the long haul and what he has called you to be as his image bearer here. You don't forsake your lifeline that is God for the foolishness and the folly and the ignorance of others. You don't let others get you off track. So here the wise hang on to that. They cling to that. And they say, go find a legitimate way to get what you need. Part of the work of the wise is to point the foolish to the right way. Part of the work is to offer to people the place to get what is needed to sustain and help them endure and get it done. And so the foolish go off to find what they lack and they, in their lack of waiting with vigilance, it means that they're now behind. So when they try to catch up and join in, the door is shut to them. But the wise, the prepared, those who are thoughtful about this, those who are having the right perspective of what's going on here, they get to be present. So at a banquet like this, the invited guests would usually have to present a tablet or a card or something at the door. And there's a servant at the entrance and their job is to keep out the uninvited. So once everyone is there, the master shuts the door and no one is able to be let in, no matter how insistent they are. So they get there and they knock, but it's too late. There are consequences for them approaching their period of waiting with such a short-sightedness, for them being kind of lazy about that, for them not kind of pulling back and engaging in the full scope of what's going on here. I don't know you, he says. For the way the women waited made clear who understood him and who understood the weight of the task at hand. This is sort of a tough moment, this I don't know you, you can't come in. But we should not be surprised by this when we consider that Jesus is talking about his next arrival. Because we see in the Christmas story, in the first advent and in the life of the Messiah, his first arrival generates surprise, division, and resistance. So will his second. It just might look a little different because we're in a different phase of the story. And then Jesus here lands the plane with this really straightforward, therefore be alert because you don't know either the day or the hour. 
You don't know when my second advent is coming, so be sharp, be watchful, be vigilant. Have perspective about where you are in this. Be ready and demonstrate your readiness by how you are handling the waiting period with wisdom and perspective and not with foolishness. And as Pastor Daryl mentioned in his sermon last week, you know, we are called to wait upon Jesus right now, and we do that by setting our hand to the plow, by being these active image bearers of his kingdom here and now. And we wait well by also being attentive to our fuel, the oil that is our God with us to get us through, especially when he seems a bit delayed at times. In my opinion, he seems a little delayed at times. And as we wait for second advent in our lives, we should hold a fullness of vision like these wise women in this story that for what was before them, they clung to what they needed in the midst of it. They held on to it as theirs. Our God is so full of mystery, so we don't know how long our wait is going to be. But how kind of him that he has let us know what we are waiting for. And knowing we're waiting for him, we're waiting for full redemption and full restoration should help motivate and orient us in this if we let it. It should help us fulfill our tasks here well as we wait in the wonderful meaningfulness that our lives are here. And we do that by carrying and holding God with us himself. Our supply is his presence. So in our waiting, we need his words. We need to cultivate intimacy and communication with him. And we need to engage in our communities so that we can urge one another on as we take turns having to bear one another's burdens in this because the waiting is hard. And we need as our fuel to be a people that remember well. Our oil is this intentional, conscious remembering what God has done. Remember what he said. Remember how he has been faithful. Remember what he has secured for us. Remember how he loves us and remember that he is right here in this with us. Being wise in the waiting of our lives is to have a rhythm of remembering who he is. That he is a God who wants his children to pour out to him the fullness of their exhaustion and their pain. That he is a God who wants his children to converse with him about their panic, their anxiety, and their uncertainty. In those things, he is always there. And he's there because Jesus arriving here this first time and taking care of business secures that he is always here with us. He won't duck out when our stuff gets too hard. You can never scare God off with all of your stuff. Our baggage can never possibly be too heavy for him. And Advent reminds us that the waiting is really hard while reminding us that we can get through it and how. And to get through the weight of the weight, we need to be a people who remember who our God is and that he is with us. And as God's people, we get this really great benefit of being a part of a community of saints that transcends time that we are able to identify with when we need reminders of his presence and his faithfulness. Noah and his family waited in uncertainty on the ark. 
until God brings them to the safety of dry ground and a promise that he will never cause that kind of destruction again. The young woman Hagar waits for death for her and her son. Enslaved, abused, used, and isolated in her struggle, when the God of all shows up, sees her, and provides for her. Joseph makes the most of his waiting, when even after being falsely accused and sentenced to prison for a crime he didn't commit, he stays faithful to God, and God sets into motion this chain of events that ends up promoting him to one of the highest levels of leadership and the ability to save countless lives from starvation. The Hebrews waited for 400 years in slavery before God brings them liberation through one of their own who was raised with their oppressors. Jeremiah waits 40 years preaching the word of God, even without seeing fruit, just because God said so. Jonah waits in the belly of a fish in the depths of the ocean until God rescues, and then he waits pouting underneath a vine in the hot sun until God shows up to teach him yet another lesson. Daniel waits through the night surrounded by lions until morning, and God shows up to deal with the oppressors. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wait for a few hair-raising moments in the middle of fire until they realize that they are not in there alone. The psalmists and the prophets were well acquainted with waiting. They spoke of the hardship of it as well as they spoke of how to encourage others in it. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. None of you who wait for him will be ashamed. You are the God of my salvation, and for you I wait. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. And again and again. Elizabeth waits in the personal heartache and social shame of infertility for most of her life until God shows up at a time that should have been too late in order to remove her disgrace amongst the people. Zechariah waits in forced silence until God shows him with this almost comedic flourish that he keeps his word even in the ways that seem the most impossible. Mary waits in social scorn and judgment and uncertainty while God himself makes a home inside her body where he waits until it's time for him to make an entrance. Mary then waits 33 years, which had to be joyful at times, foreboding at others, to see what exactly God had in mind for the path of her son. Joseph waits with his young wife and son in the safety of Egypt because the king puts out a hit on his newborn until God assures him, you're safe, you can go home again. Anna waits 84 years as a widowed woman living in the same spot, repeating a rhythm of prayer and fasting, a seemingly simple, maybe even mundane life until one day she catches a glimpse of a baby that instantly she recognizes as God. She waited so long, and he's here. Jesus waits 33 years. Having the knowledge of the trauma and isolation he will endure, how his very body will have to absorb into it such violence, and aggression and unfaithfulness and sickness and grief and selfishness. 
He waits 33 years knowing the darkness and suffering that he will have to step into. But he also waits 33 years knowing that his obedience to God will set his people free, set us free, and turn the tide on the path of death and destruction and creation. In the stories of those before us, waiting is painful and it is lonely. It's a place where doubts and questions and wrestling exist. But waiting faithfully and fruitfully by clinging to our God within it, it produces this beautiful endurance, this um, strength and this resilience where God himself is present. And that's true, church, even in a year like 2020. And when this is tough, the God who produces that endurance and that resilience and that strength in us, he meets us with the grace and comfort of Emmanuel. That when it's hard, God is in it with us. And at Christmas, many of us sit in this season of waiting with loss, heartache, and loneliness. And our fuel, what we cling to, is remembering our God who has come to be with us, who is with us now, and who will come back for us. For those stepping into this Christmas week who are waiting in life with worry over finances and the ability to provide for yourself and for others, in your waiting, remember that our God keeps a watchful eye over you and what you need. That he is a provider. For those waiting, holding uncertainty and fears about what is to come, know the security that our God doesn't just see what is before you, but he holds the future and he holds you within it. For those whose waiting in this season is marked by feeling like you're not enough or maybe feeling like you're too much. Remember our God made you on purpose and he delights in you as his child. For those waiting in this Christmas season, marked by having their struggles and their pain feel pushed aside or diminished or overlooked or forgotten by others. Remember that our God cannot and will not forget or overlook you. He treasures you. For those who wait carrying trauma or enduring struggles that make some days and times almost unbearable, in your waiting, remember that our God feels and understands the fullness of what you are experiencing. And his heart is so soft toward you. For those who wait with physical bodies that are breaking down and failing you, remember that our God is not confounded by what is limiting you. Know that his own body being broken means one day yours will be restored rightly. It's going to work again, just right. For those who are waiting in this season for justice to have their dignity as a human being to be fully seen, to have their value as God's full image bearer to be recognized by the systems of this world, remember in your waiting that his heart is bent toward the oppressed 
and that Jesus came identifying with you. And remember that our God has promised that he will not let the guilty go unpunished. For those who are waiting in the shame and the guilt of being the perpetrators, the active participants and the beneficiaries of what has wronged and violated and harmed God's people, in your waiting, remember and lean into that our God's kindness, it was what brings you to a place of real and active repentance. And do not delay there. For the mothers and fathers who wait in this Advent season with these gaping holes that are left by sons and daughters who should be here, who should be with them, whether separated by loss or time or distance, in your waiting, may you be comforted by our God with our sister Hagar, that you are remembering and experiencing and seeing that you are fully seen in all of your heartache by the greatest of all caretakers. For the daughters and sons who wait in this Advent season without the presence of fathers and mothers, whether by loss or distance or rejection or abandonment, in your waiting, remember and lean into the comfort of a good God, who himself is the very definition of a perfect and right father and mother, and he has said he will not leave you as an orphan. Children of God, in this time between the Advents, cling to him in your waiting. Rely upon him as your fuel. Hold on to hope and take courage again, for the end of our waiting is secure. It's a guarantee that he'll be back. So be vigilant and prepared and hang on to him as you keep this greater vision. In this Advent, as we strive to live faithfully and fruitfully within the value and the significance that are our lives, may we be a people marked by the fact that we are also anticipating the next big movement of our God as we reflect upon his last big movement. Remember, he is the God of our waiting. And while this waiting is hard, our God in his infinite wisdom and love is always on time. And because of Jesus, you're not able to be alone in this. For he is Emmanuel. He is God with us in all of our waiting. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for the reminder of your presence with us in this season. And I ask, Father, for the spaces where we especially may be needing you to fill in some of those gaps for us as we sit in the tension of what it is to be a people who wait. May you show yourself to us in that. May you be a comforter to those who need comfort. May you strengthen those who need strength. May you pour out your love to those who are feeling unloved, for those who are feeling forgotten or pushed aside, may you help them feel so fully seen. And we ask you for this, God, knowing that you are able to do all of these things, that your heart is bent towards us and that you love your children. So in this week for us, we ask that um, where there are these needs to feel that intimacy and that closeness with you, that you would do so. We thank you for the first coming of your son, 
We thank you for the glory, the magnificence, the power, what all of that held and what that brought to us. We are so grateful. And Father, help us to think rightly, to understand, and to sit well in what it is as we wait for your next arrival. We thank you that you have assured us that that will happen. Help us to remember that and to trust that and to hold that in a place where it is actually helpful and comforting for us in our lives. We ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Please hear the benediction. May our Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Thanks for listening to this message from Icon Community Church. Please visit us online at iconcommunitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.